0: Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. and welcome to issue number 33 of DC Primetime. Introductions out of the way right from the beginning from the cast Spotlight on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck.
1: And from and Crew, I am Rob Martin.
0: And again, we have some great episodes we're going to go over and break down from the five shows Gotham, Supergirl, The Flash, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't think we need to mention that today is Walking Dead Day, even though I just did it. The return yeah, you of just did it. yeah, return of season season seven. But you know, pay, just paying homage to another comic book. I don't. For, I forget who does Walking Dead. It, it's not. Is it Image?
1: I don't remember. Um, is it? I, I want to say it's Image. If not, it's Dark Horse. I cannot remember. For I the can't light remember me right now.
0: I can't remember, but that's all right. Whatever. Uh, yeah, it's a comic book. It's it, a comic book that has over a hundred issues.
1: So yeah,
0: I, I think it's closer to like 130, 140 now. But
1: yeah. That's why I said over a hundred.
0: Oh, so. there you go. So, that
1: makes
0: <laughs> um, a couple things I want to mention off the top, Rob. I haven't even brought this up to you yet, um, but I figured we will uh, we'll talk about this. Real, I'll spend like two minutes on this in the beginning. Uh, this past week on the showcast, we had an interview with Ming Chen from AMC's Comic Book Men that went swimmingly awesome uh he is a super nice guy and from this interview two things have come out of it one we will have ming on the dc primetime podcast in the near future uh because he is a huge fan of all these shows and when i brought up this podcast and the idea of having him on he was 200 percent on board no joke like he was like oh yeah i want to come on that podcast so uh that's some really cool news but the other cool news that i brought up to you already rob and i know you're excited about is the possibility of sometime in the near future not only will we be recording with ming we will be recording in the secret stash in red bank new jersey which is kevin smith's comic book store
1: yeah uh like i said we have no idea when this could be out yeah, sometime after probably the new year but probably during this show season yeah um So yeah, it's just uh, figuring all of that fun stuff out, but that is super fun. I'm really excited to do that. That'll be a lot
0: of fun. I'm I'm totally stoked to do that too. I've been to I've been to that store many many years ago, uh, but to be able to record in that one a store that's owned by Kevin Smith, two that all the guys from Comic Book Man work at every day, so they will be there when we're there, and two uh, to to record in a place that's on television is just really it's just a really great concept. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but let's jump into things and let's hit this week's bullet points where we are one of three point rating sidekick hero or legend for all five shows. I know we're on the same page with this, so we could do this very quickly. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. And actually, before we get too far, uh, in case my voice starts going or I sound nasally as hell throughout this episode later on, uh, I apologize. I'm getting over a bit of uh, the, the flu, which is uh, just been kicking around this past week around my neck of the woods. But But yeah, I think let's just do this fast.
0: Yeah. Uh, our listeners are going to end up hating us, by the way, because we have a different excuse every week. We're tired. We're sick. <laughs> ah,
1: yeah, it's that time of the year, Hey, we're
0: still putting out product. That's all that matters. Yes. Some of well, those other oct- podcasts won't even do it.
1: Well, like I said, it's October. So October for me is like Christmas every weekend. <laughs> yeah. So, because it's, I mean, holy crap. It's just been a mess of so much stuff going on, and I
0: cannot wait until November. <laughs> yeah, me neither. So, oh, that was the other piece of news I had, too. <laughs> Damn it. i, I um, real quick, I know we had mentioned this before, and Rob, this is the piece that you didn't even know about, but, uh, I had mentioned before about the possibility of going to Atlanta to moderate panels at Heroes and Villains Con in, uh, in Atlanta. Uh, that was up in the air as of right now, and Heroes and Villains is a bunch of DC people and, and Flash and stuff like that. Uh, as of last night, that has been 100% confirmed. So I will be going down to Atlanta next month, November 19th and 20th, and I will indeed, I have been told, I don't even though I don't know who they are yet, uh, I will be doing some arrow panels down there. Nice. So we will have some cool audio and video of that to post for you guys. We'll probably save them for the breaks, uh, for the mid-season breaks, uh, so that we have some stuff to put out to you, but uh, we'll reveal some more details as we get closer to that.
1: that that means we also get weekends off oh my god i love <laughs> doing this show but, oh but, my god after october we're gonna need a weekend off somewhere <laughs>
0: yeah exactly uh, all right let's jump back into the bullet points for I, now and yeah very quickly we can do this extremely fast uh rob and i both legends across the board for all five shows this was a spectacular week for these shows
1: yeah and, it, and bear in mind too. The shows this week, a lot of the plot lines were simple, but they were all very hyper-focused. They were all handled and treated incredibly well. And when I have been looking back at that, trying to see, I was like, am I definitely going there with all these shows? And I'm like, yes, I can back this up. I've been trying to be, as some people may notice, this this season, I'm trying to be a little bit more nitpicky with shows. uh, And not give out legend to everything. But I, I really... I'm trying to start all the shows based on the sidekick, and they have to wow me, wow me, wow me. And at the end of the episode, I look at it and say, okay, what did it do right? Where did it go wrong? And it's just trying to work its way up. Like, the shows have proved themselves to us first to uh, to be able to get that.
0: Yeah, and it's one of the reasons why I watch the shows twice. I mean, because I'm very loose with my ratings for the first time I watch it, because I'm watching it as a fan um, the first time. I'm not taking any kind of notes or anything like that. And then my second viewing is when I really tighten up um and give my rating but even after second viewings this week these shows held true and legends across the board man they were great
1: awesome yeah so, I, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this week
0: yeah well let's get started with that and let's jump into the secret origins portion where we break down the episodes and talk a little bit about them starting off first With Gotham season three, episode five, titled Mad City, anything for you. Uh, synopsis is crime in Gotham is at an all time high as Penguin struggles to uphold his promise to the city, promises to the city. Meanwhile, Butch goes down a dark path with the infamous Red Hood gang and Bruce begins to investigate Ivy's whereabouts. First things first, um, you know, you said it was very simplified plot lines throughout the episode. This was a very, Corey Michael Smith and Drew Howell centric episode, in my opinion. Uh, those two, the two stars of this episode by far. Oh, yeah, especially, indeed. Especially Corey Michael Smith, man. He was such a standout as Edward Nigma that, like, it blew me away how he is with this role. Yeah. So I mean, it was a very, 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 very big standout episode for both these two characters. Still with, uh, you know, with Robin Lord Taylor as Oswald Cobblepot as well, uh, and and some of of Jim Gordon. But it, it seems like a lot of the other characters took a background role in this one, even though we still saw them, which you know we still saw them on screen. And again, as we've mentioned every week, Aaron Richards uh, as Barbara Keene, another perfect just little cameo appearances in this episode
1: gorgeous delivery on a great line
0: (laughs) yes best party (laughs) ever I think, I think I text you that when I was watching it. Uh huh. Yeah.
1: Cause I asked, I was like, did you wa- We when we were talking on the phone this week, I was just like, I was like, D- if you haven't watched it, go watch it. And I was like, and yes, Erin Richards does indeed have one of her best lines yet.
0: Yes. So, uh, but the episode kicks off, obviously, with, uh, Oswald Cobblepot going through the mayoral procession through the city after just winning the election until the infamous Red Hood gang reappears on the scene. And not only interrupts his speech on the steps of City Hall, but destroys a statue of his mother that he holds very, very dear. Which and, he
1: goes just as apeshit from that as the actual death of his mother. So
0: Yes. So, um, a couple other uh, things to note that we see throughout this episode, and then we'll break it down a little bit more. Uh, we see Edward Nygma returning to the GCPD. Uh, we find out who is indeed behind the Red Hood gang um let's see we see the first i I believe it to be the first uh interaction between selena and a new grown-up ivy yes and
1: we also found out that ivy actually did not kill that guy too the when we expected that he uh you know she pretty much cracked him over the head with the the potted plant and killed the dude he is alive and well
0: yes yeah just knocked unconscious so uh, she still killed the plant, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, but hey, well, the plant was already dead. Maybe she realized there was no coming back.
0: Oh, that's true. So, that's true. I'll use I'll use you for a good for something good. Yes. So, all right, let's break this down a little bit. What were some of the highlights of this episode? Uh, I'd say low, but there there really are no low lights to this episode.
1: Um, uh, honestly, I I gotta say right off the bat, the constant mental battle between. Butch and Nigma was hands down the highlight of this episode. Um, you Nigma know, continues to look at everything that Butch is doing, thinking that, you know, he's, tr- he's definitely doing something behind the scenes, very much onto him, uh, which definitely turns out to be the truth when we find out that Butch indeed is the one that's running the Red Hood gang. Uh, but he's doing it more or less to kind of do a massive setup to Penguin uh, during his, I guess, uh, his uh, I think it's like a benefit night for him at the Siren's Bar. So his plan at this point is to have the Red Hood gang come in and for Butch to come in and save the day. Uh, kind of putting him back in Penguin's good graces. And then uh, that quickly devolves. That whole plan very quickly, quickly
0: devolves. Yes. Um, I will say, though, that the interaction between the two of them, uh, between Nigma and Butch, is is fantastic. And... I know this is jumping more towards the end of the episode, but the entire plan uh, at the party, in, in which you know, because we obviously we saw Butch's plan kind of come to fruition either way that he was going to be the hero and take out the Red Hood gang. We did still see that happen, although I don't think it went according to plan with Butch, uh, and that's more because of Nigma was on uh, was on to him. And I think it was Nigma that was on. It was was Nigma the one that caused the plan to happen. Oh yeah, because he figured out where the Red Hood gang was out of. Right. And then that was what caused, kind of caused Butch to, you know, go visit the Red Hood gang and say, okay, this plan is over. We got to cut our ties. And because of the greed of the Red Hood gang, um, sorry, boys. Butch takes them all out and still becomes the hero, at least for the time being. Uh,
1: Yeah, for a very short time being. But one of the things I thought that was great is while they were trying to look into who was running the Red Hoods, uh, that led Nigma back to be working at, you know, the GCPD. As the liaison to the mayor on the case, which created some wonderful, fast moments of just interactions dealing with Barnes and yeah, uh, you know, like Lee and Nygma, you know, this whole thing just played out so wonderfully. So,
0: Yeah, and he has, man, that scene where he, that scene where he walks into the GCPD for the first time and he is interacting with Barnes and, uh, and Harvey, he is such a dark presence to him. That I think, I don't think anybody else could have played this role other than Corey Michael Smith. He is playing this role so perfect, Uh, you know, with just, uh, you know, the little bit of riddles and everything that's going on throughout the background. He's keeping true to this character, and I'm just, I'm, I'm so in awe of it, especially after this episode because it was so strong.
1: Yeah, no, I, I was really, really, really impressed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, jumping forward, as we had mentioned before, there is a party at the Sirens Club in which none of you are invited. Another good line from Barbara Keane earlier on in the episode. <laughs> She's like, it's going to be great. None of you are invited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talking to all of Oswald's uh, street level people. But This kind of goes back into what I had said last week is that it seems like Butch was going to use Oswald's power as an opportunity to make a run on Gotham. Yeah. Uh, you know, he wanted to be back in in Oswald's good graces. So this whole Red Hood gang plan was his way to do it. And as things come later on, obviously, Nigma is on to Butch and Butch. Uh, the the plan that Nigma comes up with to kind of reveal Butch to Oswald uh, and his plan was brilliant.
1: Oh, my God. And the the way they played it out, and I'm like, okay, I can see this twist happening. I really don't want to see a fracturing between Penguin and Riddler. Uh, But, you know, Riddler very much comes up to Butch and says, look, we should be the ones running Gotham. And uh, very much very, very clearly looks like he's definitely turning on Penguin, Uh, even going as far as having Zaz on his side. uh, Says, hey, look, if you don't join us and take him out tonight we've got you as backup but if you don't do this we kill tabitha which definitely sets butch over the edge
0: yes um and as you mentioned it was it was believable like i thought this is what was actually happening and then when it comes all to uh, when it when it comes to fruition finally out in the open butch puts on the red hood gang goes out there himself in an attempt to kill oswald uh which he thinks is part of the plan and instead has a gun with no ammunition in it whatsoever. And that's what Enigma says, you know, looks at Butch and says, did you honestly think I would give you a gun with bullets? Yeah. And it was a complete twist. And I was, again, I was in awe of this because this whole time I was believing this was the new plan. So I was convinced as a viewer, which uh, I think was just showed the strong story, the the strong writing of this story.
1: Yeah, one of the things I was kind of surprised about too is you know, Penguin kind of looks at him and in the situation, and it's kind of like you betrayed me, and he's like, you know what, we're prosecuting you. I'm like, really, and I'm like, that was the surprise for me in all of this was Penguin not outright killing him, but it was we're going to prosecute you. They've got you know, cops away at the end of the episode, and Tabitha is hot on their heels trying to break Butch out. So.
0: Well, this is a public party too. This isn't a party with just him and his cohorts. Now, this is you know you've got Bruce Wayne, you've got Jim right. Gordon. Jim Gordon. So he very he could not very easily turn around and say he wanted to kill Butch. That's uh, very true. You know, so it, it could have also just been something on the surface where he said he was going to prosecute, and somehow. um you know something would have happened to butch although i'm I'm not too sure that's too believable either because he had police officers in the ambulance with him so he was on the verge of being locked up right so this this was a legit move by oswald
1: oh yeah i mean i'm very very curious on how this is going to play out but the more and more that as this was happening i'm like i could definitely see that discussion we were talking about about solomon grundy happening more and more so oh with uh, butch yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think there's a high chance of it, but Barnes is still there in the background too, so we don't know quite what's going to happen there. Yeah, I guess so- the only other big plot plot point was Barnes looking into what Alice's blood can do, and uh, you know Lee gives him kind of a quick breakdown, stating that they tried it on several rats, and yeah, I think it was like three of the four of them did nothing. The fourth one ate through multiple cages to eat the other rats. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. It's uh, that idea that this could be latent; nothing could happen. But we do see him walking around without his cane uh, and his brace uh, at the very end of the episode.
0: Yeah, so I'm very curious to see what's what's going to happen with that. Because as you mentioned, uh, Butch becoming Solomon Grandi is one thing that could very easily happen. But, you know, we still have Captain Barnes in the p two, So it'll be very interesting to see where they're going to go in the future with uh, with everything that's going on. The, the episode finally wraps up with something that I was actually intrigued with and it was glued to the screen when i was watching it and that we are seeing for the first time we're seeing a true villainous turn for jarvis Tetch. we haven't seen him all episode
1: uh jarvis Tetch.
0: what an, uh, you uh, said jarvis <laughs> oh jarvis Te- sorry yeah. it's was...
1: it's, uh, it's hard not to do it it's, it's so freaking close and i'm like that's right he's not the ai he's a bad person yeah that's true okay. yeah
0: true. <laughs> uh but aka the mad hatter we're seeing the true villainous turn uh even though he was also he was already kind of a criminal and villainous, now he this is the true villainous turn that we know of as the Mad Hatter that we are finally seeing in this show.
1: Oh yeah, this is this is this character one hundred percent. He doesn't need to evolve anymore. He's already to the point of kidnapping random women, calling them Alice, and then fully embracing his crazy. So this is this character to a T. It's the same way that Mister Freeze was by the time his major plotline wrapped up last season this character is exactly where they need to be for future stories. They don't have to do any more involvement. I know we're getting another episode with him, obviously, because we have this whole quick moment of him slicing this woman's neck and writing Jim Gordon out on a piece of paper in her blood. Yeah. So we know this is going to come to heads. I kind of like the fact that they're allowing this character to play out over multiple episodes, not just two, but, like, we're going to see him in probably three or four episodes total. It, It makes them actually mean a little bit more. It's them breaking away from the straight-up villain of the week that is now just following these characters' full transformations.
0: Yes, yeah. Um, Anything else worth mentioning before we move on? I know I have one other note that I wanted to mention, but I wanted to see if you had anything else. Oh, no, do it up. Um, One one of my favorite moments from this episode was just a quick line uh, between Bruce and Jim, in which Jim turns to Bruce and says, You've become quite the detective. Uh, which I thought was a great nod to the future of the Dark Knight and Batman. Yeah. So. Uh but no oh other... you know
1: what there was one last thing. Bruce and Selena finally kissing. That's right. Forgot about that. It there's so it all happened at the Sirens Club thing. So that was such a, a small side story of all of this, because that main you know, main plot for this week really does suck this in. But yeah, they do finally share a kiss.
0: Yes. So. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next episode of the week, that being Supergirl. Season 2, episode 2. T- <coughs> I'm sorry, excuse me. Uh, titled The Last Children of Krypton. Supergirl is hurt by a kryptonite-powered villain sent by Cadmus to attack National City. Superman blames Hank since the kryptonite was stolen from the D.E.O. In the meantime, Kara's uh, first day at her new job doesn't go as planned when she meets her new boss. Uh, so... Heading into the breakdown of this one, obviously we start. Um, we see we, the episode starts off with Kara and Kalel or Supergirl and, and Superman, um, fumbling a, a, a not fumbling, but uh, foiling. That's the, that's the proper word. Yes, uh, <laughs> some some crimes. Which, um, the, man, I have to say, just right off the bat, the whole bank robbery scene that they are preventing. Uh, Man, I had a huge smile on my face during that entire scene, and for Uh, the car, (laughs) for the car. No, well, not just the car, but for two main moments. There was one with the car when they back into Superman, and he's like, "Um, "I think I scratched your bumper," and it's more than obviously more than a scratch. But my other favorite line from that scene too is when they're shooting, they're shooting at them, and then the guy takes a swing at Superman, and Superman says, "Now, see if the bullets won't work. Why the punching?" Yeah. <laughs> I never uh, got was, that.
1: Yeah. And I love the fact that they brought up those little tiny things, but I love the fact that he is just charming as Superman. Yes. Like, he is, he talks to them like his, you know, the random thugs in this kind of very fatherly way, and it's what you expect of Superman. It's, yes. it's Every time they did it, he opened his mouth, you were instantly transfixed on your TV.
0: Yes. I mean, I know when we, when we were talking during the offseason, one of my biggest fears was that he was going to take away the attention from Kara, and that has not been the case in these two episodes. The two, of, the chemistry between the two of them has been fantastic, and 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 even in this episode when they're fighting the fire, it's a true moment of that showing that where you know Clark or Superman even says to Kara, "You know what? I looked good last week. You you do it," you know, which just is a prime example of like Super is still the focus of this show. Like she is the hero of this show. Superman is just there to lend a hand uh you know in these first two episodes but as i mentioned last week too these two episodes last week and this week included has renewed my love for superman
1: yeah honestly i I feel that much more attached to this character again in the way that you got kind of hooked on flash um from just watching that show in two episodes they made me love this character again so much more
0: yes yeah um, just kind of disappointing and another turn because we'll get to that a little bit later on in the news. But, um, I, I, again, I'm just loving Superman again. And it's, it's because of these, the shows and not the movies. So, uh, but let's break the Let's break the episode down. Obviously there's a couple things worth noting. We get to see Metallo, AKA John Corbin. Well, not uh, just
1: one, but we also ultimately see a second Metallo.
0: Yes, yes. A little bit later on in the episode, uh, we get to meet Snapper Carr, who is Kara's new boss, as we had mentioned in the synopsis. Uh, and I
1: love the fact that they brought that character in. If you know anything from old DC comics or even seen it on the animated series, Snapper Carr has always been a news reporter on TV. He's been around. So the fact that they brought an iconic character, like, uh, you know, even an iconic background character in. Again, that's, uh, it makes me smile to know how much love they're really putting into the background characters in the show as well.
0: Well, not only that, but Ian Gomez is the actor that's playing Snapper Carr And he's, he's an infamous character actor. I know you've seen him in a bunch of things. Uh, and he is a comedian as well. So I'm very interested to see where they're going to go with this character. Mainly because of the fact that he is a jerk. And comedians sometimes can pull that off brilliantly. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what we're going to see with him as well. Uh, but a couple other things obviously worth noting too. We get to see a little bit more of Cadmus throughout this and we find out which we, something we already knew was happening in that Cat Grant is taking a leave of absence and she yeah. is leaving the show. We don't know for how long, but I'm, I'm sure she will be back at, at some point.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the things I want to unpack really fast, though, is going back into Cadmus, and I apologize, my voice keeps dropping a little bit after about, like, 30 seconds of talking, so if you hear me clear my throat a lot, I'm trying to mute that stuff, but we'll see what we hear. Um, with with, uh, the whole thing with Cadmus, them experimenting on their own people the the way that they are, we saw that with John Corbin, We, we saw that with the other unnamed, uh, agent, uh, Cadmus agent that got pulled into that as well. Um, one thing is now coming more and more, you know, into fruition in our brains that we discuss Jeremiah Danvers potentially going through some kind of treatment. Because if you look at the second Metallo, he looks a lot more evolved than the John Corbin one does. So. I don't think it's definitely – I really don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities on our theory at this point. It's seeming more and more likely that they will indeed turn Jeremiah Danvers into Cyborg uh, – the Cyborg Superman by the end of this.
0: Well, there's been a number of hints uh, to the change to Jeremiah throughout this episode in particular. Um, you know, because even the, the the Cadmus agent uh, played by – I think it's uh, Brenda Strong uh, that plays her. She's the scientist that turns John Corbin into Metallo. She even says at one point – uh, you, or not to care, I think to Alex, um, it's best you remember him as he was. So there's a hint right there that something has happened to Jeremiah. They have done some kind of experimentation to him. So it, now it's just a matter of waiting it out and finding out what exactly it was. You know, that's uh, my, feeling
1: it, my feeling is this is either going to be the mid-season finale or the season finale when we're going to get this reveal like, right around those points. More than likely, I have a feeling this is coming at the end of the season.
0: You think you're going to wait until the end of the season for this?
1: Yeah, I think that's going to be this big twist. uh, Because I don't think this is going to play out in small moments. I think this is going to play up in something big. Because you're now creating a character that can go against Supergirl. But it also can break down that family. Uh, So I think that's a good strong strong chance that this is where we're going to go.
0: Are you are you saying end of the season, as in like the same way we saw Monel and like you know like the last moments of the season leading into season three, or is this going to be like a villain lead up to? I think uh, this for the end of the season.
1: I think this Cadmus is the big bad of this season, uh, and their main weapon will be Cyborg Superman. So so you're,
0: so you're talking to like a like a climax to the season,
1: yeah, like rather as, than a tease for the next. As as Non was our big bad last season. I think we're going to see him in the last, close to the last couple episodes, and that'll be our big, big finale fight.
0: Okay, I find it interesting too that they're kind of focusing Cadmus as almost like a terrorist cell uh, in this, rather than a, I, I guess, like an underground laboratory, which is more of what Cadmus was in, in uh, in the comic books. I mean, in the comic books, you go to like the Death of Superman saga. Cadmus was known. Cadmus was, you know, a public entity. And you know, had laboratories all all across the country, in, including Metropolis. And they did – but I, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe when Cadmus first started, they were an evil organization. And they just uh, you became know, public. I'm not sure.
1: I, I don't remember the full history of Cadmus. But, no, they very much treated them like they had that little viral video that was very kind of, like, anonymous-like. Yeah. A uh, little kind of nods to things like Mr. Robot and all. But – um. I don't know if I quite like that direction because, I mean, they were kind of like, hey, there's Star Labs and there's Cadmus. You know, those are the two everybody knows Cadmus. It was always tied to the government in some way, shape, or form. That may still be the case. We don't know. We don't know much about Cadmus yet at all. So it's a big wait and see on how this is going to play out. So I'm very, very, very curious on how they build them up. But, again, as you mentioned, I forget the actress's name that you just mentioned that we're showing running Cadmus. Brenda Strong. Uh, Brenda Strong uh i it's always funny when i see her because my brain always is like god she has not aged since starship troopers she still looks the same
0: starship trooper i remember her as the teacher in third rock from the sun
1: yep she was that too yeah i mean but yeah she does not seem to age ever no it's it's crazy not at all because starship troopers is getting close to 20 years old i think at this point it's not far off i think
0: no (laughs) it's probably not so i'm not oh, yeah. sure but but yeah I'm just, i don't know what they're doing with cadmus i'm not to a point now where i dislike it or like it i'm just kind of indifferent on it because i'm curious like i want to see where they're going to go with it uh so i it's very interesting like i said they're kind of treating it like a terrorist cell uh you know in that they have put out this viral video as you mentioned in that they their intentions are clear they want to end superman and supergirl yes so um you mentioned star labs in this too and that. This is one note that I have. It's nothing that bothers me quite yet, but I did notice it. And I want to get your thoughts on this too. We now have Wynn working at the DEO. Uh, he's very, um, quickly, you know, he's very quick with the quips and the sarcastic remarks. This episode in particular, I found him a little too Cisco Ramonish.
1: Well, he felt like a weird combination of Felicity and Cisco in this. And I'm like, oh, I'm not quite sure if I like where they're going. I mean, he was like that at Catco. Um, I mean, it seems like every one of these shows, my, you know, minus Legends, has the, the plucky nerd behind a computer. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm not quite sure we need that here. I mean, I liked Win when he was this more... Like, he has heart to him. I mean, he always has. But, like, and he's always been fun in the background of things. We saw that a lot more by the back half of season one. I felt like they went a little extreme in this episode.
0: Yeah, okay, so it, you felt the same thing then uh, in that. And so it almost seemed like they were trying a little too hard to kind of force or pigeonhole that win character into something that we see on all the other shows. So they're kind of trying to create him as that other one maybe it's because i mean maybe his personality hasn't changed but maybe it's now because he's behind the computer and the technology that cisco is behind star labs that it just almost seems like cisco is uh you know whereas before he was a journalist so it, it didn't seem like that way it was but i just felt this episode it was forced and it was it was just trying a little bit too hard
1: well, I think, I think it, the reason it stands out as much as it does is because everybody in the D.E.O. is so serious. Like, he's playing off of people like Hank and Alex, which are always more serious style characters. So when he quips like the way he does, it really stands out. It's no different than when it's like Super Broody Oliver over on Arrow and Felicity or Curtis says something goofy and plucky that it really pops. But. That's there to break the tension of the scenes, and where Supergirl was very fun and lighthearted to begin with. When you're in serious settings and somebody's like that constantly, it really stands out, and sometimes not for the best way.
0: Yeah, I mean that's not to say I didn't think there were some great lines and some great oh, yeah. moments from him. I, I mean, at the end of the episode when he hugged Superman goodbye, like I, I thought that was great. Uh, there was another moment where he's talking about the new addition to their suit uh to kind of help them during the fights with the metallos and you know John Jones says you know they're they're great and he's like no no not you and meaning he wanted to hear from superman what they were like so there were definitely some great moments with win but i just felt like the the character development was a little too forced yeah. in uh in this episode uh, so
1: real quick because you brought up the suits the little alteration i loved what he made Because I'm not sure if you were aware of this, but I know some listeners out there that probably had massive smiles on their faces when they saw the uh, radiation kind of devices for Kryptonite. But they looked identical to Superboy Prime's armor that we saw in Infinite Crisis. Like, absolutely identical into the design. So the fact that they had that nice, beautiful touch, uh, it just made me so damn happy that they're even taking iconic things from villains or things that are really, really well known in the DC Universe And adding them to these characters. And they just kind of like, here's a great nod to something small. But very awesome.
0: Okay. I mean, and on that note, too, um, you know, this is the second episode we're seeing Superman. I have to say, and I think it's a nod from the, uh, what's the video game? Is it Infamous?
1: No, Uh, Injustice.
0: Injustice. Injustice. Uh, I think they, I heard a bunch of people say that they took the idea of Superman's suit from the suit that he wears in Injustice. Uh, dude, I am digging that suit, man. That that has to be probably one of my favorite Superman suits we have seen on screen.
1: Yeah, I mean, I love this suit. The only thing I'm still not entirely super crazy about is the little bands that hold his cape on. But it's, you know what, honestly, it still looks fantastic.
0: See, that's one of my favorite parts of the suit. Okay, to cool. To be honest, I just like that look. I think that's one of the reasons why I like it as much as I do.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, all in all, though, I still think it looks great. I never would like, yeah, I don't know if I care for that, but it... Like I said, when I see it in motion and seeing him move around in it, I love it. When I see the still shots, I'm like, I'm still not quite sure about them. But ultimately, though, it's a great on-screen suit. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, so one of the other things, I guess we can get into the meat of this, and that being you know, the battles between uh, the Supers, as I'm calling them, and the Metallos, Um there's one thing that kind of confused me about this and maybe you can shed some light on this. Again, I'm still giving this episode a legend. It was still a fantastic episode. My 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 down my lows to this episode are seriously just nitpicks. And it's more because I'm not fully aware of situations so maybe you can shed some light and if not maybe some of the listeners can shed some light on this. I go from from Smallville and from what I've read in the comics in that Superman was always affected by Metallo just being in the general vicinity of him. Uh, because, yeah, that
1: did bug me too. Okay, so okay. it wasn't
0: just me. So like, they were able to be around John Corbin in the beginning of this episode without those shields on, and they couldn't tell that there was something off about him because he had kryptonite in his heart. I mean, they, they, from what I know they should have felt that the moment they got into the area with him. So, I mean, it's, I understand, you know, him firing the beam of kryptonite at him and that's what weakens him, but they should have been weakened from the fight as well. Just yeah, being I mean, in his presence.
1: I mean, I think some of the things they've done in the comics in the past is the cyborg suit under the flesh suit of Metallo. That's a weird sentence to kind of have to say, um, I believe the interior chamber is supposed to be a lead line. So he doesn't know anything is there. Um, and in this, we have the, you know, gem right exposed directly on the outside. So, yeah, that should affect both Kara and Cal. Um, but, again, it doesn't... Again, I, I totally know what you mean. It's very much a nitpick. But yeah. just the action scenes, though, alone that they had with the fights against Metallo were fantastic.
0: Yes. They looked
1: really good. This was It felt like our first real massive, awesome super fight in this show so far. Yes, we've seen them in the past, but, I mean... This felt iconic, almost, where the other ones kind of left you wanting a little bit. The Bizarro fight and all the other ones that we've seen in the past, the Red Tornado, st- uh, tornado stuff. but Tornado! Tornado. <laughs> no, I was losing my voice in the middle of saying that, to Mike. <laughs> That's going to come out weird. <laughs> so, Tornadoes,
0: yeah. <laughs> red Tornadoes.
1: Red Tornadoes. Um, but yeah, I mean, this definitely felt like the first time that a a, a big super fight happened, and you were just left kind of in awe. Um, it was awesome to see it. I'm like, oh my god, I'm seeing two Metallos fight Supergirl. Uh, then later on in the episode, Alex shooting back up in the power armor, and then we get to see Martian Manhunter and Superman put their differences aside to take out the other one in Metropolis. There was so much to love about this fight. That was that was a better fight in a you know the second episode of a show than we got in the finale last season. Yes. It was fantastic.
0: And can I just say... Man, I love Alex in that Kryptonite armor. I think that is so badass. I hope we get to see more of that as the show progresses. Yeah, I mean, again, not to take any anything away from Kara and make Kara, make it seem like Kara can't defend herself and can't you know uh, be the hero that she is. Uh, but I thought that was such a cool moment when she showed up in that armor, just because I think it. I just think it looks cool.
1: Yeah, they did a really nice job with it. I mean, it doesn't look cheesy um they actually made it look functional for the most part or as much as you can in a comic book show but yeah they did a really good job with this though i mean i'm really really pleasantly surprised when i they were like they're gonna do mattel i'm like ooh, how's that gonna go but they made it work they made it work in a really great way
0: yes absolutely uh trying to think if there's anything else really Um, uh, i guess the last big
1: part of all this is at the end of the fight uh the deo along with john jones you know as i mentioned john and superman do put all of their issues aside after they do take a little trip to the fortress of solitude which is a really quick moment but we do get to the point where they do come to terms with everything john realizes that yeah maybe having kryptonite around isn't the best thing and they do decide to pack up everything they have and give it to superman to take away
0: yeah which i'm 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 Thinking probably means that Kryptonite's probably going to be off the table for a while on the show.
1: Which I think is good. Yeah. Uh, you, you don't want to fall into a point where it feels like Kryptonite is what is going to be used against Supergirl constantly. Um, and I think this is a good way because the other, I guess, small note that we didn't bring up was Kara thinking about leaving National City and going to Metropolis, which does cause a bit of a rift between her and Alex. But again, as all things we stated, the, you know, the, uh, they're family first and they realize everything is fine.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, a couple other things worth mentioning before we wrap this up. We obviously, by the end of the episode, we see Kara herself uh, standing up for herself as Cat had told her to do against Snapper Car, uh, which was a nice moment that, you know, we finally get to see her kind of uh, believing in herself. So do I get
1: a chair? No.
0: No. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. Um, and also we see Jimmy is the one that is going to be taking the seat of Cat Grant while uh, Cat is gone. so Yeah,
1: uh, I, which I think was a good move. It was a smart move.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I want to make one bold prediction before we move on to, to the Flash uh, for this show, and I'm very interested to see what you think about this. Uh, I'm making a prediction to something that I think is going to happen later on in the show and that we're going to see a new relationship between two people. Uh, and I think that relationship is going to end up being... Alex and Wynn. Really? I kind of saw a little bit of those moments in this episode. Because they do work together and they do kind of do that throwaway line of Alex where you've dated. I haven't had a date in two years. You've dated more than I have. And they're sharing those moments together and they're going to be working in the office together a lot. So I don't know. Again, it might be a little bit of a bold prediction. But I think we might see this later on in the season. All right, well, we'll put
1: that in the corner of our minds and see how that plays out for the season. I guess the other other final quick moment is Monel waking up near the end of the episode. Yeah, I almost forgot about that. Yeah, I almost did too. There was a lot in this one. This is probably the most packed episode that we had this week. Yes. So, uh,
0: all right. So, with that being said, let's move to the next episode of the week. That being the Flash season three, episode three, titled Magenta. Uh, just as Wells and Jesse returned from Earth to Central City is attacked by a new meta with the power to control metal. Simple enough. As you mentioned, simple storylines. Uh, and that's what we get out of this episode. Um, with You know, the episode kicks off with Barry and Iris dating, which I thought was a nice little thing with him with the flowers and... Uh, it just goes to show the innocence of barry still when yeah. it comes to you know he has that he's full of confidence when it's to fighting these you know these villains and these metas uh but when it comes to iris he still f- stutter steps he still flutters like it i i just love that character uh nod about him
1: yeah i mean it was it was the idea of taking a first date and going way too overboard
0: yes so exactly um But after that, obviously, we see the biggest part of this episode is that we see the return of Wells and Jesse. Not only Jesse, but Speedster Jesse.
1: Yes, and I love as the port opens up, as the breach opens up in their their chamber, that, you know, Wells comes out and is like, you know, we have a problem. And then all of a sudden you see Jesse, full force in speed form, just darting around the room and just having a blast. Huge smile on her face. And I love the way they handled it. It was this very cute moment in the show. Yeah.
0: He pops out of the he pops out and he's like I need your help and they're like with what? And then she comes zooming out and he's just like with that. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was uh thought was great. But I thought one of the interesting twists on that too is that almost immediately we see Wally pretty resentful of the fact that he's been hit with this same thing and Jesse has powers and he doesn't and you know, it's something that he wants desperately, and we see throughout the episode, at, at another point in the episode, too, how, almost how desperate he is to make this happen.
1: Yeah, they kind of made Wally kind of a bit of a brat in this episode. Um, and, I, you know, I think it works because, you know, as much as I know some people out there really didn't care for how they handled this, um, I think it's just because it's playing into how this season's going to unfold with alchemy. Uh, And I think that's a good way to do it. Um, It's the fact that he kind of is this snot-nosed kid a bit. Like, he's very brash, doesn't think things through very clearly, but it's a good hero's journey-style story. So I think it's going to work and play out really great in the long run. Yeah. Uh, Especially if they kind of make it that, you know, Wally kind of goes a little bad at some point in time of the season, and they have to calm him down when he does indeed get his powers from Dr. Alchemy, which we can see coming in from a mile away. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Especially after we find out Magenta on how she does indeed get her powers. Just having dreams first. A lot of these people from the Flashpoint timeline having dreams of their alternate self. We do hear Wally mention at one point in time he's been dreaming recently of having speed as him and Jesse are talking later in the episode. So you can definitely see the ties that are they're already throwing at us to show that Alchemy is reaching out to everybody from Flashpoint.
0: Well, I mean, I find it interesting, too, because I think the way that the story is going right now is we, as you mentioned, we did kind of see it coming from a mile away that alchemy is the one that's going to give Wally back his abilities. But I think this episode almost kind of threw a little bit of of a wrench in those gears in that it does set up the possibility that he could get his powers not from alchemy, but from something happening and them just talking the same way Jesse did. Uh, It doesn't necessarily have to be from alchemy.
1: It doesn't have to be, but I have a feeling I, I would say I would bank ninety nine point nine percent on the ch- uh, fan like blah, blah, on the chance that he is indeed going to get his powers from Dr. Alchemy.
0: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I could see that as well. It's just and I, I think you put an interesting twist on it, too, in that when it happens, it could be something that almost turns Wally not necessarily into a villain, but he, he does kind of go off the rails a little bit when it happens. Yeah. So and they're going to have to shift their focus to Wally and kind of get him to turn his turn it around and it, and kind of yeah. reel him in.
1: It kind of I think it's going to be a very reminiscent of when we saw Roy becoming Arsenal same with Speedy uh over on Arrow. I think it's that whole idea that it's somebody that doesn't have powers um but that is coming into their own as a hero. So I think it's always good to have them struggle, have have some fight there because you know they can't Devote as much time to him as they are Barry because it's ultimately this is Barry's show. Um, so it's going to happen in the background. Sometimes it may come off a little rocky at moments, but I think in the grand scheme of things, they did handle this as best as they could with him not being the prime focus of the show.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think one of the other cool things that we found out too is uh, due to the events of F- Flashpoint and Barry fixing the timeline, there is a new room in Star Labs. Uh, that being the Speed Lab.
1: Yeah, which was kind of cool. Which I loved is, it. Yeah,
0: which is really cool. And I love the fact, too, that it's, you know, Wells knew instantly that Barry had done something wrong. Uh, just from the fact that, you know, when Cisco turns to Barry, he's like, I'm guessing you've never been here before. And Wells like, OK, what'd you do? Yep. You know, because but it's, it also shines the light on the fact, too, that we find out from this episode that Flashpoint does not affect other Earth's. It is a strictly Earth-1 affected um, situation in that Wills and Jesse remember everything as it was before, as they had never been in that room either.
1: Yeah, and one of the things i got to say, too, just having Jesse and Wills back in this episode, the show felt like old-school Flash again, like, really quickly. Like, we had two very different episodes to start the season off. This felt like a return to form. Cisco wasn't. Broody. we didn't see any hints of that yet um you know and i think we're going to see that when barry and him are going to talk a little bit more closely but you noticed that most of the conversations that cisco was indeed in with barry it was with a room full of people yes so i'm still wanting to see how that's going to continue to play out that we got from episode two but this definitely felt like the traditional true to form return of a villain of the week episode but it was done with a lot of grace yeah
0: and I, as I mentioned, too, you know, going back to the whole fact that we find out now that Flashpoint does not affect the other Earths. I think that works out great with Wells and Jesse being back because now since they are not affected by Flashpoint either and they remember everything the way Barry does. Barry now kind of has an ally uh, in that he has someone to talk to and relate to when it comes to the way things were before. He, he now has somebody to go to as a reference who will remember everything as it was, you know, because nobody else remembered anything about the old timeline. Jesse and Wells do. So now he kind of has assistance when it comes to that if it ever if there's ever a need for that. Indeed. So, uh but you're right. It did feel very much like the old Flash that we knew with Wells returning uh and everything. But you know, moving forward into the episode, we also as you mentioned earlier on, uh we meet Magenta, aka Frankie or Frankie aka Magenta, whichever way you want to go to it. Uh Frankie being the the current timeline version and Magenta being the Flashpoint version of this character. And one of the key points to this that I think we find out by the end of the episode, which I thought was very interesting, is that while Alchemy can bring the person from Flashpoint around, he does not have total control. It can be fought uh, in that we find out by the end that Frankie actually does overpower Magenta uh, and... By the end of it, is is back to Frankie again. So it, the 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 flashpoint versions will come to, can come to be, but don't necessarily stay there. They can yeah. be fought by the person.
1: Right. So if they kind of fall into it, where we're going to see with the villains, obviously, but that's probably going to how all this is going to play out. Where some the villains are the ones that fight it off or don't fight it off and allow to be overtaken by it, and then the ones that are heroes, but. The one thing we didn't find out, though, even though because she fought off the Magenta character, um, she still has powers, though. So that does still work really well with the whole idea of everything right now with Wally.
0: Does she Does she still have the – I know – well, yeah, she does still have the power. She just doesn't remember being Magenta.
1: Right. So, She's her but now with powers.
0: So she doesn't remember lifting a shipping barge over top of a hospital, uh, which was pretty – spectacular by the way
1: yeah and actually it looked surprisingly very good it was actually one of the better effects that we saw across the shows this week uh there's definitely the worst effect shot uh this week as well but we'll get into that in a little while
0: <laughs> i'm curious i want to know what this is
1: oh you, you'll know as soon as i bring it up
0: okay <laughs> all right <coughs> um trying to think of some other things obviously i mentioned that you know people can fight off the flashpoint version um You know, and we say we another point we see too. going back to the whole Wally thing is that we see Wally makes the attempt to jump. He finds out how Jesse ended up with her speed and the speed force. You find out that she was um, almost hit by a car and within, you know, within an instant of the car hitting her time slowed down. uh, And that was her speed. That was the speed force kicking in with her and she was able to escape it. So Wally attempts to do the same thing and steps in front of a speeding truck. Uh, and until Jesse jumps in and saves him because it wasn't going to work. It, he was not going to be jumpstarting his powers that way. And, you know, and in a conversation with him and Joe, he, Joe brings up something that I honestly forgot about. And it's something that I didn't even really think about as well. Joe makes a very interesting point in that with all these metahumans that are around, you know, that were became metahumans by the particle accelerator explosion Everybody in that city was hit with that particle explosion. Not just the metahumans, but everybody. Joe, Iris, everybody. There is so much possibility that there are still so many metahumans out there we have not run into yet because they don't even know they're metahumans yet. Yeah. So it op- that conversation right there opens up so much for the future. And it's something that I guess in the back of my mind, I just never really thought about.
1: Oh, yeah. they they When they did that, they crafted such the perfect MacGuffin on how people all have powers. I mean, and it works so well because they can always pull from it whenever they need a new meta. And that's a great way to go. I mean, I know some people may view that as lazy, but it's the best way for them to be able to handle this. Yeah. And they did a great job of it. So yeah. And yeah. I love the fact that, yeah, they brought up not everybody will for those people that are like, how is not this city not just booming with everybody being a meta there's your answer. Yes. It doesn't affect everybody.
0: It doesn't affect everybody, or it doesn't affect everybody that it does that will that it will affect right away. Mm-hmm. Um on that note too, and this is something kind of a side note, we see we've seen in the past two episodes, you know, uh or at least in um uh you know the the last episode or the, the pilot or the premiere, uh Caitlyn's beginning of becoming um killer frost. Do we think that Is this something that she's going to become Killer Frost, or is she just going to become Frost? Because she could technically be a hero with these powers.
1: Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think you'll definitely see her. I have a feeling we know she's going to have an episode with her mother. We know her and her mother have a rough time. Uh, I think the synopsis, I believe, that's either for next, I believe, potentially next week or if not the week after. Uh, I think it might be episode five, uh, come to think of it is that uh, she does indeed go to her mom in a future episode to try to figure out how to deal with her powers. Uh, it's not known at this point if the rest of the team does indeed know or not. But I have a feeling something will go horrendously wrong, and she may potentially kill her mom. But that's my theory at this point.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think that's probably going to be episode five, because next week is Mirror Master.
1: Yes. So uh, Yeah, and- it's the new it's the new Rogues is next week, which is Mirror Master,
0: the top and And captain captain cold yeah Yeah. return of captain cold next week um all right so a couple other things worth mentioning before we move on with this um i know you're kind of in agreement with this my favorite moment of this episode was wells and jesse at the end yes that
1: was like i said um we always joke in the past that um you know joe is papa joe uh, and we haven't been seeing much Papa Joe. We saw Dad Cop this week instead, which was kind of fun. Yes. Uh, but we saw Papa Wells in this one. There was a lot a – really a lot of touching moments, especially in these last few moments of the episode with uh, Harry and uh, Jesse.
0: I mean, obviously, I'm not going to go past the, po- the, the whole thing because when I posted on Facebook that I was watching, I used three words when I posted about it. And the words, run, Jesse, run, those words – whether it's Barry's name or Jesse's name, it gave me the same effect. Like I get chills when I hear those words, those words to me are the backbone of this show. Yeah. It's weird to say that, but those words to me are the backbone of the show. They are the, they are just what drives me to want to watch this show because I get chills when I hear them, whether it's, whether it's, is his father saying those words, whether it is well saying the word it is his mother saying those words. When I hear those words, I get chills.
1: Yeah, I, and I feel the same way. I, like I said, the, the show is like I said. They, I, we always bring up the idea that above the writers' room. is humor, heart, and spectacle. Uh, and the show always has so much heart. And they they use that line when it's needed most. And they and it never comes off dumb, cheesy. You never get tired of hearing it. It's not like you know, like you have failed the city. Uh, I mean, you have that moment at times where it's fantastic here on Arrow. But when you hear run, Barry, run, and now run, Jesse, run, it's, it it just makes you smile. It makes you feel fantastic
0: when you watch the show. Yes. Uh, And that final moment with him and Jesse, with Wells and Jesse, when he gives her the suit and he kind of, kind of gives her the green light to become Jesse quick. And because this is who she is, this is who she needs to be. That moment, that scene between those two solidified something for me. And... It kind of it was the whole episode about it as well in that we have a whole bevy of characters in this show. We, you know, we have Grant Gustin as The Flash. We have, you know, we have Joe. We have Iris. We have Cisco. We have Caitlin. We have all these characters. Tom Cavanaugh is no doubt in my mind anymore. He is my favorite character on this show. Yeah. Uh, he, well, you know, obviously the show is eccentric around Barry. Uh, you know and and joe and everybody in the team but this show and you mentioned it earlier with the return of wells felt like the old flash i don't think this show would be the same if tom cavanaugh left the show
1: no it definitely wouldn't he is one of those ingredients that makes the show what it is and which is just fantastic every week even to something that's seems like this could be such a throwaway episode. to so many people that like maybe just tuned in. This is their first season of watching The Flash. Like, oh, it felt really deep in the first two episodes. And this just kind of feels like eh, villain of the week episode. And to I think the people that have been there from day one since the show started, having them come back, everything feels great again. Like, if the first two episodes were a massive shakeup, they're like, we're back to status quo. As close as we can get from what Flashpoint caused. That you just are like, okay. I feel good if you felt disturbed by the last two episodes. This was when you were like, cool, we're good. We're back back on the ground and running at full speed.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I, again, he has become my favorite character, my favorite actor on this show. Don't get me wrong. I, I've had a great opportunity in my life to meet actors from uh, you know these shows and such. He is the one I want to meet now. He really <laughs> is. I would love to meet Tom Cavanaugh because he is my favorite person On this show. Uh, I'll wrap this up with this. And then I'll let you get into your final notes for this. Is that uh, at the very end of the episode. Hopefully this isn't the bad special effects you're talking about. um, But it looks like we get our first look at Savitar. Uh, In the prison cell when they are reviewing the tape. From you know the rival being attacked in the cell at Iron Heights. uh, We see the glimpses of the white flash. Uh, Or the white lightning flashing across the screen, which if I remember correctly in the comic books, that is what Savitar has. He has white lightning when he runs, whereas Barry has yellow, reverse flash has red, uh, and Zoom had blue. Uh, Savitar is white.
1: Yeah, my guess is that's exactly what we saw too. So
0: So now I'm curious, Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, and maybe it'll click when I hear you talk about it, but what is this awful special effects moment?
1: Oh, we're two episodes away. Hold on. <laughs> I didn't say it was in the Flash.
0: Oh, oh, so, oh. Okay, okay. I thought it was in the. I thought it was in the Flash. Oh so.
1: no, it, it is very much in not not this. <laughs> uh,
0: any final moments from the Flash before we move on to, to Arrow?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I, the last. Well, two the la- two things uh, for me is uh, so we got a little bit more of Julian this week, um, and he's proving to be amusing to watch, uh, especially we saw in the beginning of the episode of him just kind of like nope. It's not 7 o'clock yet, so yeah, you're staying here. It's
0: not here. 6.58, not
1: 6.59. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but more and more, and it didn't dawn on me when we first saw him, uh, Julian Albert. And that name stuck out to me, and I'm like, why does that ring a bell? And I'm like, and Dr. Alchemy's name has been, Al- uh, I think it's Albert Desmond. So I'm wondering uh, at this point, is he is our indeed our Dr. Alchemy before Um, all this is done.
0: I kinda had that thought back uh in the beginning of the in the first episode. So I don't know. Um
1: Uh, that that could be just a little red herring they threw in there, but I think that's a possibility still. Uh, I'm really thinking that's that's a very big possibility. And I really hope that that's not how they go. Uh I would like to see them actually go in a different direction and not make it feel like the obvious at this point but it, it's very much feeling like the obvious at the moment that that is indeed who dr alchemy is but it's a big wait and see but i do hope that they do go in another direction but i'd also like to see them start doing a little bit more with julian we're only two appearances in for him already but uh right now he just seems to just be just a thorn in the side and i want to see him kind of earn his place on the show that's the one thing i still feel that needs to happen uh, like where Eddie very much felt deserved by the end of everything. Like he was a great character to be in the mix, but uh, I'd like to see them start developing him. Uh, and but the last thing is not just the Jesse and Wells scene, but the final scene that we got with Barry and Iris when they said, "Hey, you know, the first time we tried this date, it went horrendous. You know, we were trying to both forget parts of who we are, and Barry's like, we were trying to ignore the fact that I'm the Flash, but he's like, that is me, and if this is gonna work." we got to accept each other as who we are. And they have this really little cute moment yet again. So I love the fact that they're, they make those characters really just function so great as a relationship together on screen. It works very well. Uh, And that last scene was incredibly awesome. I I thought it was a really cute moment between the two of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely for sure.
1: But yeah, uh, that's, that's it for me.
0: All right, cool. Uh, So we'll move on then to arrow season five, episode three titled a matter of trust uh good title for this episode the green arrow is forced to face a powerful new drug dealer when wild dog goes off on his own um so obviously we i thought one of the great little nods to this uh in that we are seeing a a real life friend of Stephen amell's premiere on the show that being uh former wwe superstar cody rhodes who is playing the role of Derek sampson in the show um But what I thought was a really nice twist to this is the drug he is producing is called Stardust. Stardust was his wrestling name in the WWE. So I thought that was a great little nod to him in the WWE and the feud that Steven had with uh, Cody when Steven premiered in the WWE and he faced, he wrestled against Stardust in at WWE SummerSlam. So as a wrestling fan, and an Arrow fan, I thought that was a nice little twist. I
1: everything. knew you were going to open up with that. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> co- knew it.
0: Of course I would. Come on. How could I not?
1: <laughs> I know. Um, and, and yeah, and then um, I, I thought it was a nice touch. I thought it was really really kind of a, a, a really smart, nice little twist there. And then show sure getting a little bit meta with that. And I thought that was a, a fun way to do it. But that was not the only meta moment, too. Was uh, There was a quick moment where – the new recruits uh, with Felicity and Oliver are heading down into the elevator, yes. and uh, they have the mention the hockey mask yet again. He's like, I don't know. we got to do something about that mask. And Ollie's like, you know what? I actually think it's <laughs> kind of cool. I
0: kind of like it. kind
1: of like it. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like – so I love the fact that they slipped that in there too from his, his appearance in uh, – the second Ninja Turtles like as playing Casey Jones. Yes.
0: So. Uh, but obviously a couple things worth mentioning in this episode that we can focus on for the first time uh, since the show has started, which was only three episodes ago. We get to see the whole team in action finally by the end of the episode, uh, including Ratman, Wild Dog, Mr. Terrific. And has, um, I don't think she has a name yet. Yeah,
1: Evelyn has not been given the name Artemis yet. She yeah. doesn't have her code name. Uh, and bear in mind, too, if you did not like the suits for anybody in this episode yet, we did get full confirmation by, uh, I think it was uh, Mark Guggenheim uh, coming out and saying that while Ragman does have his final suit at this point, Evelyn, um, Curtis, and um, Renee. Renee, right, is Wild yes. Dog's name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are in prototype versions of their suits, not their final suits yet. So what you saw was the beginnings of them, but not, by any means, the final versions. Okay, so, good,
0: because I, I will freely admit, I did not like Mr. Terrific. I did yeah, not and, like that that mask. Uh,
1: that, I, I think I think the mask was okay. I think it was just, it's just not fully suited up. I mean, honestly, that was as close as you can get to that Terrific mask. I don't think you could do it any other way. But it was fine.
0: Maybe it was. Um, yeah. Maybe it was the fact that it just wasn't a full version of the costume. Maybe I'll like it better when I see everything. But,
1: I, but I mean, I, as far as his mask, that is the Mister Terrific mask. I mean, there's no ifs ends, or buts about it. That was as dead on as you can get. Um, I mean, and he had the fair, uh, you know, the fair play jacket. So, yeah. Um, it's just uh, honestly, once he's maybe set a little bit more, and he has his final version of all of this, and his t spheres floating around him. It's not gonna matter anymore because then it's just gonna be like, oh my god, there's t fears again? Okay, you
0: know? <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what, yeah, maybe that's what it's gonna take to, to uh, everything. I also like the moment too where where Renee is is talking to uh, to Ragman and he's like, you know, you kind of freaked me out a little bit. He's like, is it the whispers? Because the suit kind of does it on its own. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know why it does it, but it kind of does it on its own.
1: Well, before we, I know we gotta dive obviously into the whole episode, but one thing I gotta say right off the bat, and I know it's near the end of the episode. I am giddy to talk about it. They're finally addressing Haven Rock. Yes. And Felicity. Yes. And thank fucking Christ. This was, I loved this episode. And when that came up and Curtis and Felicity are talking about, you know, Rory being the last survivor of Haven Rock. And she, you know, Curtis, now again, being the new heart of Team Arrow, uh, being like, hey, look, you do have to bring this up. It's, you keep avoiding him and this is not going to work if you do that. And she does take ownership. That was what this whole episode was about, was taking ownership. Uh, And I loved the fact that they did this not just with, you know, the main storyline, but we saw it in the flashbacks. We saw it in John's story. We saw it with Felicity. It all worked. Everything that they did in this episode really worked. It tied together. You know, the setup for John Diggle to be where he is in this episode was last week, and we did not care for it at all. Because they got to where they did with it and made him deal with a couple things... They're now addressing all of the gripes we had last week. Some of the issues at the end of the season, and I'm very, very happy. They're getting off the, you know, getting off uh, this season on the right foot. It's been a slow build. You know, I thought the first episode was a great start to the season. Second one was a hero. I didn't think it was horrendous, but there was a lot to not like. Uh, but this one addressed all of it. And I'm I, I'm very happy to see Arrow is getting back on track. Yes.
0: Now you mentioned it, and I want to. I, this is what I want to jump to because this is something that I was kind of giddy about the same way you were about them addressing Haven Rock. Uh, I want to jump into the John Diggle storyline here for a second. Oh, happily,
1: I was pumped to see his somebody else's name in the credits this week too.
0: I was too. And when I finally saw him, we get to see the return of Michael Rowe, aka Deadshot. Um well, sort of. <laughs> sort of. Floyd Lawton is, uh, is back in Arrow, and I was, dude, you have no idea because we've spoken to him twice. He is such an awesome dude, and so when we saw his name pop up in the credits, I was excited. I'm thinking, okay, this, you know, we might see a flashback or something, and we might see Michael Rowe and that, and we might see Deadshot. But when he appears in the jail cell with Diggle, dude, I got so excited because like he survived. He fucking survived. This is great. And then I was disappointed again later on in the episode. But I thought it was brilliant that the way this turned out, because while I was disappointed that it turns out he is not alive, this was all in John's head, I thought this was a brilliant way for Diggle to face his own demons in that he is... He's facing these demons with somebody who, with almost one of his demons, He's face to face with one of his own demons, uh, confronting every other demon from killing Andy, you know, killing his brother and and thing. And it it gets to the point where by the end of it, you know, he's telling Lila, "Look, I, I have to do this. Like, I need to be. This is where I belong. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm not the hero that I think that I am. I'm locked up in here." I should be here. Like, this is where I need to be. And it's because of a lot of regrets that he has from things that he's done in his past.
1: Yeah. And I love the fact that it was Deadshot was his subconscious. It's like, look, I killed your brother, but he wasn't dead. So the guilt isn't on me. It's on you. And I love the way that they handle that. But don't. One of the things I got to bring up, because they unpacked a quick moment there in their conversation is like, how are you still alive? He's like, never found a body. And that's very true. And this also was one thing that surprised us because we were told, and many actors confirmed this, that he was taken off the table. Obviously, they like the character because we saw him in The Flash last season mm-hmm. um, during Arrow, Arrow Season 4. Like They wanted to find a way to bring him back. This is the first time it was brought up as up Floyd Lawton deadshot. The fact that we've seen him now in a post-Suicide Squad movie world, this means that I think Warner Brothers is loosening the reins. We saw that with Superman. The fact that he is now in the mix, and I don't think this is the last time we're going to see Michael Rowe, and I have a feeling we're going to see him again this season, still alive and well. I really do.
0: Which would be amazing for me, because, again, I mean, he was such a favorite character of mine. In, in Was it the second season that they yeah. brought him in? Um, he was such a favorite character of mine that I, I'm very excited if we get to see him again.
1: Yeah, I, I I honestly think the way that they actually spoke that line and brought that up, yeah, they never found the body. That that means Floyd Lawton is around somewhere, kicking it, and will indeed return to Arrow because this was a nice way for them to address a lot of issues in the show, characters that people wanted back, people that were taken off the table and removed from the show because of, you know, back uh, background deals that are happening between the movie division and the, the TV division, you know. Uh, Guy I came out too and said the reason they brought up the Haven rock stuff is they said, look, we're paying attention to what the fans are saying out there. Uh, very clearly. We know there's a lot of people that love Felicity. We know a lot of people that hate her. Uh, and they said that is very, a polarizing topic in the community. And we need to address something that the fans said said we had to address. And we talked about it over the break and what we were going to do with it and how we're going to handle it. And they said, here you guys go, because we do understand we got to appease both sides of the fan base this is our our step forward in trying to address those issues and we really hope you appreciate what we're trying to do here and as a fan of the show and somebody that has felt kind of slighted in the past i really appreciated what they did here yeah uh
0: let's jump into the whole um Derek Sampson samson storyline for a little bit and you know obviously we see Derek Sampson is just he's you know a, he's a drug pusher uh until something happens in with renee and um and what is Artemis's character? That's her name. Uh, um, Evelyn Sharp. Evelyn. That's it. Uh, you know, we see Renee and Evelyn kind of uh, more Renee than anything else, more Wild Dog than anybody else, kind of take things under his own control. Uh, and it causes what happens to Derek to happen. He falls into a vat of his own drug of stardust uh, in which has been mixed with some kind of other unknown chemical that we, we are never privy to. I don't believe Throughout the entire episode, and it causes him to not only have enhanced strength but feel no pain whatsoever. Uh, how do you feel? What are your feelings on how they handled the character?
1: I mean, I I think it was a kind of a throwaway villain. I think it was just them trying to find a way to get Cody Rhodes into an episode. Um, I I really didn't care, care too much about the Derek Sampson role. It was more a uh, I think it was just a. A fueling point for the plot line for this week of building up this team together uh and i think it worked fine i, I think just using kind of a throwaway
0: character worked quite okay for this
1: well i mean uh, you,
0: you mentioned throwaway character though but i don't think this is the last we're going to see of him because um, even cody rhodes went on facebook to say that uh you know the, his character was apprehended he was not killed um yeah. so I, I think we're going to see this character show back up again at some point in the future
1: yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we do. I mean, like I said, we, we are always saying, build that rogues gallery, do it. And, uh, you know, this this does work, you know, have him come back, that's perfectly fine. But for at least for the uh, sake of argument, if he is just a one-off, this is the only time we'll, we see him. And, you know, he didn't do anything to impress. It feels like we've seen versions of this character on Flash, on Arrow, all these kind of things already. So it was kind of like, yeah, sure, whatever, that's cool. Um, and, you know, the the closest tie that they had to anything is, hey, you know the underground drug community wants to take their, their claim to their money and their power back from Tobias church. And that's the most as we got as far as a tie in uh, with anything in this episode, we didn't see, you know, stardust become rampant through the city the way that we saw vertigo uh, in the past. Uh, so it kind of felt like it was reusing old, like multiple plot lines from other episodes and can kind of just combining it into one little, you know, small subplot of this episode. But the important part was getting the team on the field. And uh, I think with that plot line, having somebody that was of that strength, allowed the team to get into the mix, Ollie can take on the big bad while, you know, the, the new very green team can get out there and take care of the lackeys. And it worked. I yeah. think that whole subset of this worked out very well.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Agreed. Um, so I guess now we, I guess we can jump back in before we wrap things up to the, the team in action. Uh, unless there's anything else that you wanted to bring up before.
1: Uh, yeah, the only other thing we have to, I guess, address is uh, the stuff in City Hall.
0: Oh, with uh, the new district attorney?
1: Oh, yeah, because uh, we just met another major character, uh, Adrian Chase, um, which is somebody that will become vigilante. So kind of uh, looking forward to see that play out, but we got our first introduction, and I like how they keep bringing these characters in, one by one, they're taking their time. They're building the characters up, the backgrounds of these characters, and I think this is working great.
0: So, okay, so yeah, so I wasn't familiar with Adrian Chase. We might have talked about him in the off season, but I don't. Uh, it's not again. We've talked about so many characters in the off season that I can't remember every single one of them. Uh, is he a? He's another vigilante like Green Arrow. No, his,
1: his name is Vigilante.
0: Is he a villain? He's a hero. Oh, he's a hero. Okay, so I guess it's safe to say at some point he is going to become part of Team Arrow. Uh, maybe or do you or think he's, he'll work on his own, but just he may.
1: I have a feeling he's going to work on his own. Uh, I, I think we're at a point you now where we have built a great new team. I think keep adding to that is going to get a little excessive, and it's going to be difficult, especially when people like Speedy suits back up. Uh, that a specific character that may be returning in episode ten comes back, and when John Dingle comes back,
0: now so... uh, th- this kind of shines a little bit of a light now on. Something that I had seen last week. I know the cast of Arrow—or not last week, last night, actually. Uh, the cast of Arrow had a 100th episode celebration last night, as a matter of fact. So Saturday night. Uh, I had seen a bunch of pictures from uh, from Katrina Law's Instagram, uh, as well as a number of other people's. And the actor that plays Adrian Chase was among the, amongst the core group of people they're celebrating the 100th anniversary or the 100th episode so i'm wondering if that means he is going to be vigilante if not on his way to becoming vigilante by the 100th episode
1: i would not be surprised i want to say 100th episode is episode eight or nine for this season if okay. memory serves correctly um but yeah i mean i wouldn't be surprised when we see him suit up as vigilante uh they, they, he probably works alongside team arrow but maybe not
0: a member of, not a part of team arrow yeah so okay uh but yeah i mean i guess final thoughts on this episode like i mentioned in the beginning we get to see the team uh fully formed finally together and i'm wondering i thought the the action sequences in this are just as good uh, as any other action sequence that we've seen from the past
1: oh there was a gorgeous shot in this one too of ollie coming off the rafters Uh shooting that that hook arrow almost (laughs) into samson's chest pulling him off the ground as he's coming down and was this great yeah. slow-mo shot it was just gorgeous looking yes uh, lots of really great moments in this
0: and not only that but we saw the traditional hero walking away from the fire shot with oliver as well where the building yes, is in did. flame and we see him the slow motion walking away not even phased by the fire yeah so but the way that shot was shot too I, I, you could tell that was a traditional shot. Like they sawed off the explosions behind a male. Yeah. And he just walked away like it was nothing at all, just proving he's a badass. So uh cool. So any final thoughts before we move on to the last episode?
1: Uh well let's get into the town hall stuff real quick. Oh yeah, um, that's right. We, know, we were supposed we, to
0: do that before, we kinda skipped it.
1: Yeah, uh we uh saw a reporter going out there and slandering uh Mayor Queen, which makes plenty of sense because he's really doing much work as mayor for the city. Um and we see that it's because of Thea's decision to hire Quentin as deputy mayor for all of Star City, which is getting backlash from the public because Quentin, being a former drunk that has recently fallen off the wagon yet again, um, being there and appointed seems makes Oliver look very, very weak. Uh, Thea does indeed try to fix the situation at Oliver's behest and makes the situation drastically worse. And uh, due to that, we see her thinking that it's time for her to step away from the current role she has uh, and take the responsibility of her actions. Uh, Meanwhile, as everything is playing out in the normal episode, uh, the normal sections of, at least for the Team Arrow group, um, Oliver kind of learns that if anybody fails under him, it's actually his fault because he's the one that kind of calls the shots and he has to take ownership.
0: The buck Uh, stops
1: here. Exactly. As he says. And uh, he does indeed kind of respond to the criticism of him and says, I stand by my team, not just as, you know, obviously, you know, the Green Arrow, but also as mayor of the city. And we see him standing by Thea and by Quentin. And again, it kind of rights a lot of wrongs. Uh, We did mention Felicity taking ownership to Rory at the end of the episode with him walking away. So we can definitely see there's going to be tension between the two of them. Uh, We see that she's very, very remorseful, but we also see... The new team in this episode, as well, not just be training at the old hive headquarters, but being taken to the arrow cave before everything is said and done. So,
0: is it, you know what you just said that, and I didn't even pick up on that. The place where they were practicing before that was the old hive headquarters.
1: Yeah, they actually. If you go back to, I believe, episode two in the very beginning, uh, I think Felicity uh, t- sends a message to Ollie's cell. It says, uh, the recruits are at the, at the old Hive HQ or whatever it was. So, but yeah, that seems like, and you even see when she's at a computer, you see the Hive, um, little hexagons up top. Um, uh, so you do see that really quickly.
0: Okay. All right. That, that makes more sense then. Cause I never even really picked up on that the first time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right, cool. So. Let's move on to the final show, uh, that being Legends of Tomorrow, Season 2, Episode 2, titled The Justice Society of America. Uh, The legends discover a time aberration that threatens the Justice Society of America, who are on a mission to intercept and seize a mysterious package in Nazi-occupied Paris. Man, there were so many great nods in this episode. I I cannot tell you how much I love. I'm just going to throw it out there right now. I know... You probably immediately thought of me when you heard it. Dr. Stein is my hero in this episode. Professor Stein, my hero, is in this episode. Uh-huh. In that, watch me for the changes and try to keep try up. Try to keep up. <laughs> that is such a back-to-the-future nod. I like. I can't tell you. The moment I heard him say, watch me for the changes, I'm like, oh, please say and try to keep up. Please say and try to keep up. And he says it. I think I squealed. Yes. Like, it was such a great nod. I'm such a Back to the Future fanatic. And this is not the first Back to the Future nod they have put in the show. I'm sure it's not the last. Oh, there's, be the there's last. been
1: plenty, yeah. But that was fantastic. That, I absolutely loved that they did that moment.
0: Yes. Agree, uh, agreed with that. But, you know, we kick off the episode right where we left off last week with the, the legends confronting the Justice Society of America. Um, and which turns into a battle, actually, in which we get to see... A little bit from everybody. I think more so from some other people. Uh, but seeing Obsidian turn the sky black was awesome. Um, just so many cool moments that I, I'm going to turn it over to you for this because I'm kind of like, dumbfounded and all of this episode <laughs> so well again, I'll, I'll let you kick it off and i'll just follow your lead on this one all
1: right we're we're we'll, let's address some of the criticisms that are out there i know a lot of people are like they barely did anything with half the members of the jsa uh they said everybody was like we barely saw any of dr midnight we saw barely anything of obsidian or star girl makes a lot of sense why because this is not their only appearance in this season we're going to get a lot of them they really just focused on vixen and commander steel commander steel uh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, right off the bat, let's let's say it, what everybody else was thinking when they watched it. Man, the Justice Society are dicks.
0: <laughs> they kind of are, but you you know what, though? I, I was okay with it. Oh, um, yeah,
1: I am too. I, I like the idea of clash of personalities. Yes. Um, but this episode was not really the Legends or the JSAs to shine. This was Nate Haywood's episode to shine, making him a, a important member of this team. This was really his story more than it was anybody else's. Everybody else kind of was relegated to the background of this one. Um, and I don't think that's a bad decision. They're all there. They're all a great framing device. They're all a fun team to watch. Uh, you know, I love the idea that they're trying to deal with a power vacuum on, uh, on the Wave Rider right now of who is going to lead, um, which is because there's a very kind of sexist comment of looking at Dr. Stein of being, well, you're the oldest and uh, you're the white guy, the white male on this. You should probably be the one to do this. Um, and he's like, oh, okay, cool. And, you know, you see a lot of tension from coming from Stein, and then Jax immediately feeling it. I love that they're reminding everybody that they are in each other's heads. Um, it's a, it's a nice nod for people that do forget that, because they sometimes put that in the background a bit, but we do see a lot of resentment from Jax based on the decision. Uh, you know, Stein is not best cut out to be a leader. Everybody else kind of knows it, but he does try his hardest. But we do kind of see that angry, um, Doctor Stock come out a little bit in some of these these motions and moves that he does in the episode, um, but ultimately what was fantastic. and We'll just kind of skip to the end of that plot thread, but we always we realize that the person best suited to run this team at this point in time is Sarah. She has really come a long way um, since she's been a part of this team, so we do see her take the lead by the end, which was a kind of a nice nod to see uh, kind of that that female armament on the show, but showing it to the 1940s characters. Yeah. I thought was a really nice touch on how they handled that.
0: And that was something um, that we had kind of seen coming to. Oh mean, yeah. We, we had talked about that before that she has become such a strong character that I, I think by the end, when professor Stein puts her in charge of everything, I think that was, I, it's the best move for, for the show and for the team.
1: Agreed. Now, I think the other stuff that was really important, as I mentioned, this is kind of Nate's big episode and seeing him interact with his grandfather who's very reluctant to even kind of look at him uh we we find out that you know commander Steele is as reserved as he is because being a hero is difficult he doesn't like people looking up to him he's doing what's difficult to save people but he doesn't want the attachments of it um that it makes his job that much more difficult when he is closer to people and uh the fact that Nate's constantly kind of spilling his guts to him was like, I always looked up to you. These are the things that why you mean so much to me. Uh, We see the disappearing dog tags around his neck when it appears that the JSA could be killed on a mission after they kind of pushed the J. uh, Well, not the Justice League. Sorry, the legends away. Uh Um, So we see that idea as they realize they have to be back involved with these guys. The Nazis are going to take them out in this one specific spot. Uh, and the legends act as quickly as they can to get into the mix and put a stop to things. So we see Ray Palmer teaming up with Vixen. uh, And Vixen, again, also, I think the biggest dick of the show this week, (laughs) um, kind of looking at Ray and saying, why are you doing this? You have no powers. You just have this machine that you put on yourself that doesn't make you a hero or a superhero. Um, Which makes her a very, very cold character. And even when she kind of responds at the end, um to him as he gets to the one of the other big plot threads that we're going to deal with which is the nazis basically having the ability to basically have a super a, a super soldier serum uh and this is where this wonderful moment of what i said worst special effect yeah, of this week
0: right after you said as soon as you got to this you mentioned the superhero serum i'm like ah, oh, there it is yep <laughs> so
1: a, a very very cheesy looking super soldier nazi that we're seeing here uh and uh, yeah, so is tearing through everything as Vixen is looking into alongside with Rey. Um But yeah, it was a very just bad effect shot. And I'm sorry, I'm all over the place here. I don't know the best way to handle this one because so much felt like it happened. And it was all over the place in the show as Again, well. Again, that, that's,
0: that's why I turned it over to you. <laughs> I didn't know either. <laughs>
1: um, but, you know, as they're looking at that thread and they're trying to stop this, the legends are kind of pairing up with the JSA kind of making amends the best as they can as Stein takes his team into a, I guess a lounge club <laughs> trying to get Intel as far as where everybody's going to be. That will, the, the Nazis will be where they will take out the, uh, the JSA. So where we see that wonderful moment on stage of Martin Stein singing, uh, and I think it was a nice touch, too, because everybody does forget he is a old Broadway actor. So I thought it was kind of nice to see him in the mix and now kind of somebody I hope that they find a way to squeeze into that Flash and uh, Supergirl musical crossover Well, I,
0: But that's my question for this, though. If was that really him singing? Yes, it really was. It really was. OK, because when I saw that he was going to perform a song like that was immediately I was thinking I was like, "Ooh, I'm like, we're going to get some music out of Victor Garber this time. But for some reason, if it was really him singing, I, I don't think the 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 dub job was done very well. Um, yeah, the cut of, yeah. Yeah, the, it. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't edited very well. It seemed very. To me, I could tell it was not it was not real. Whereas when we got to see Joe singing, uh, you know, earlier on in this episode, the the dubbing and the editing was done fantastically um, to the point where you honestly believe that that very moment they're recording, he was singing. Um, so if that was really Victor Garber singing, then I'm all for it. And yeah, I, I agree. I hope they do throw him in. Um, but again, it's just another nod to how musically talented the entire run of this cast of all of these shows really is. Mm-hmm. so hopefully you're right hopefully they do find a way to fit him into that musical episode i don't know if they will because i think it's just supposed to be flash and supergirl mm-hmm. uh but it would be fun if they could
1: yeah so anyway real quick getting back into the the mix of this with the super soldier <clears> fight <throat> when we see martin relinquish control of the legends over to sarah we see uh, Rex Tyler, our man, who we haven't even brought up yet in this episode, uh, as we mentioned, is was back at the JSA headquarters all along, does not remember meeting them in the past when they explained the whole time travel whole shebang, uh, which leads us into closer to the big fight near the end, where you see Sarah and Rex plotting out their moves for the team as they take the Nazis down, um, which leads to a really t- like, touching moment between Nate and his grandfather at this point in time but in the course of before this fight we do find out one major factor about nate haywood is he is a hemophiliac uh and which means if he is injured in any major ways could easily bleed to death very very quickly yes and in the course of this fight with their super soldier here a bomb drops very very close to the motorcycle that him and his grandfather are riding on which seriously seriously injures nate to the point of death um in this process, as well as we cut back to Vixen and Ray, they do get a hold of the super soldiers as well. Ray, thinking as the two of them are locked up in their escape, thinks the best thing he can do is to give himself powers. And for a second, I thought we were going to get a super, super strong super soldier version of Ray, and I'm like, you didn't do the effect right already. Please don't do this again. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, go ahead.
0: I was going to say. <clears throat> I want to jump back a, a couple notes in, in what you said, in that we saw the the you know in in the moment right before uh ha- um Nate is injured uh when he is making his escape with um uh Captain Steele. That is another nod to something else that I don't know if you picked up on. Uh Indiana we, Jones. Yes, Indiana <laughs> Jones and The Last Crusade with Indiana Jones and his father, uh aka Sean Connery uh in nazi germany escaping on a bike with a sidecar yep i thought that was a nice little nod as well
1: yeah i thought that was it was a it was a perfect little moment but uh so ray does have the serum and after they take out the few nazis around the on their way to escape he does not indeed inject himself and gets it back to the wave rider when they realize nate is you know critically injured at this point and is close to death as his grandfather is kind of looking over him uh quickly ray thinking fast injects nate with the serum which immediately heals him and then ultimately does something else which is turn his body will we find out it will turn his body into liquid metal giving us citizen steel
0: okay i see i was i was thinking that it was going to at least improve the fact that he's a hemophiliac but i didn't think of the fact of it turning him his body liquid metal and him becoming captain steel uh, Citizen. Or Steel. Citizen Steel.
1: Yeah. yeah. Commander Steel and Citizen Steel. So. I didn't think about that. Uh-huh. So, because that is one of the power sets of Citizen Steel is he has metallic skin Um, where his body has that tone. He does, can look normal uh, as well. Uh, it's kind of like a Colossus, but not quite Colossus. Um, But, yeah. So, this is our beginning introduction of now Nate having his power set that he's supposed to have. Um, Though, we do see this is going to turn into something I think quite a bit of fun, but very, very surprising. Uh, qu- quick turn of events. I didn't expect this quite so soon, um, but we do see Vixen quickly go up to Ray and said, "You know, you did an amazing thing here. You may not be a superhero, but you're a hero." And I'm like, "Way to slap him in the face a second time." <laughs> I'm like, "God damn, she just sucks."
0: <laughs> now, do we? Is this something? Because I have read this online too from a number of different places. Are we seeing the a budding of a new relationship? Between the two Um, of them.
1: It's a possibility, but I don't think quite yet. I think we've got some other massive hurdles to get across. Because this episode ends in another way I did not expect at all. So we cut back as the Legends leave. We cut back to the JSA headquarters where we're looking at Rex Tyler, who we didn't see fight at all, uh, which was kind of a shame. We only saw our man as a tactician. Um, As he is going through through a few things we see that very very reminiscent classic red blur kick across the screen as the reverse flash shows up in jsa headquarters and immediately puts a vibrating hand right through rick's tyler's chest almost instantly killing him as reverse flash tears away vixen comes in to find a dying rick's tyler and the only thing he can say to her is time traveler so I have a feeling the fights between the Legends and the JSA are far from over. And I think this is a great framing for where this season's going to go.
0: Yeah. I mean, and you mentioned, too, that you didn't see everything happening with Nate as quickly as it did. We can't. We, we have to not forget that we have half of what we're getting a little bit more than half uh, of what these other shows are getting. So these storylines are going to be a little bit more sped up.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't think we're going to see throwaway moments in the show they're going to no. be to the point it's going to be a concise story and i think that's actually for the benefit of the show if we go back to the last season we had 16 episodes there was probably four episodes of filler and fluff that we could have cut back between moments in that that show um, where certain things as drug there was episodes that felt unnecessary didn't do much to move plots forward this is a very concise story this feels like what a dc comics you know event book is and i think that's to the show's benefit. I think this is exactly how it should be handled. Um, They're wasting no time building things up. We didn't see Captain Cold, as I kind of predicted last week, Uh, so I'm really curious on how Flash is planning on handling his return, because it's going to have to happen there now, because we know it's next week. Uh, But maybe we will see Captain Cold twice next week. I have a feeling if they're going to introduce him in Flash, uh, it makes a lot of sense that they need to start building the Legion. We still have two characters not there, and we're already heading into Episode 3 of a 12-season run for this yeah. season. So um, they're going to have to move quickly, but I think next episode we're going to see the JSA get ready to retaliate. So while we didn't see much from Dr. Midnight or Obsidian or Stargirl, expect it to come very, very soon. Um, and Because we still know Obsidian's going to bring up the idea that uh, he is the son of oh, uh, Green Lantern, Green Lantern no, yeah. of Alan Scott. So <clears throat> there's a lot to unpack here, and we know we're going to see him in two different ways. We're yeah, gonna I think see uh Lance, Lance Hendrickson, yeah. Lance Henson version that is supposedly the current version of the character, but we're also going to see a younger version too. So, I wouldn't be surprised if we cut back a bit uh in the past again, closer maybe to World War I, um which is probably where we're going to see our zombies. <laughs> if not maybe the next episode if they stay in the 40s, but it's a big wait and see, but I think there's there's a lot that's going to happen and it's going to happen fast. So, if you were disappointed by not seeing or highlighting a lot of the JSA this week. Know it's coming. Definitely know it's coming.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, we mentioned it, and we'll wrap up with this, too, that this is one of those shows, again, we're on a shorter time frame. We're only getting 12 episodes, whereas last year, last year we got 16, and these other shows get 22. So as you had mentioned before, this is one of those shows that where there's going to be throwaway moments in like Arrow and Flash and things like that, you're not going to see very much of them. So almost every moment that you are going to see in, in Legends of Tomorrow is going to be important to the future of the show. So it's a show to pay attention to because um, <clears throat> as, we, as I didn't mention either too, there is a, and I only know this because I saw it online, there is an Easter egg in this episode to a, uh, I'm trying to find it because I have it brought up, um, to a, another version of a character called Red Tornado. Not from the Red Tornado that we know from Supergirl. Uh, but rather a... Um, it's a working mother named Ma Hunkle. Uh, there's a scene with Sarah where in the back on the shelf... Uh, you see a helmet with two slits. It just looks like a bucket with two isolates uh, on the back. So... <clears throat> it was an, an Easter egg to an older character. Mm-hmm. Um so, but that's about it. This again, this is one of those shows that you kind of have to pay attention to as you uh, as you watch. Yes. So, uh, but let's get ready to wrap things up. But before we do that, let's hit some of the news. Not a lot of news this week. Uh, but I have one story. I'll start with Rob, and then I'll kick it over to you. Okay. Uh, for the rest, um, Justice League and Power Rangers will meet in a crossover comic book series. The Justice League and Power Rangers are going to be teaming up for a crossover. Uh, It's going to be brought to you by DC and Boom Studios, as well as Saban uh, Brands. Uh, They've announced recently that the Justice League's Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, uh, Flash, and Cyborg will meet the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers in a six-issue miniseries uh, from writer Tom Taylor and artist Stephen Brine. Uh, so, um, yeah, that's going to be kind of cool. I don't know what the scenario is going to be yet, but that's something, uh, I'll most likely be reading because I'm a fan of both. So, yeah.
1: Um, and one of the things, uh, the couple, of, uh, actually, like I said, as Ben mentioned, there's very, very late news this week. Uh, not too much to go on here, but one of the things we can dive into really quickly is we have seen some new images over at the Flash of Mark Hamill coming back to the set looking almost very Joker-esque, looks like purple hair, a little bit more, uh, emptied out eyes as far as his makeup design but looking very very Joker-esque and uh, so I'm excited to know that Hamill will indeed be making a return to Flash this season um, one of the other things here too is if you head over and to our Facebook group uh, and you can see some shots that we recently put in a couple links of a suited up Jesse Quick and shots of Captain Gold, uh, his actual return to form for next week's episode, and it's a couple of really awesome shots of seeing Jesse there. So, really looking forward to seeing you know her in action for the very first time. Uh, in addition to that, uh, we did get some additional news here as far as what the hundredth episode will actually be titled for Arrow, and that is Invasion. So, very uh, very happy to see that they already have that episode titled. But they uh, not only did it announce what uh, episode one hundred is. It also mentioned that The Flash is also called Invasion, as is Legends of Tomorrow 207 going to be called Invasion. (laughs) And uh, the 100th episode is indeed the 8th episode of this season, as we mentioned before. One of the other things really quickly to mention as well is we want to wish a very happy 75th birthday to Wonder Woman this week. And not only is it her 75th birthday, but the UN has decided to make her an honorary ambassador to the empowerment of girls and women, which I think was an awesome and super classy move.
0: Yes, uh, and uh, both Linda Carter and Gal Gadot were, in, uh, were there in person for, for the moment when it happened.
1: Yeah, and uh, the last story is the big story of the week, which uh, kind of came out of nowhere. I know there's been some rumblings that this could happen, uh, and something I know a lot of people are, are potentially a little worried about, and not just you know fans, but I do know there is a couple of groups out there uh, that keep an eye on monopolies of companies that are trying to see if they, this can be squashed. But AT&T uh, has purchased Time Warner for $85.4 billion. This gives AT the ownership now of not just Time Warner, but Warner Brothers Studios and DC Comics. So it's getting uh, kind of crazy to think that uh, a conglomerate that large has been picked up by uh, AT&T. So I know uh, a lot of people are having worries and concerns. I would say right now at this point, I don't think there's anything to worry about quite yet, but uh, it's, it's a little crazy because um, I know there's been some rumblings out there that Fox and Disney are, are looking to acquire additional companies as well, uh, being things like Netflix or Twitter and things like that. So it's a big wait and see on how this plays off, but I would expect no major changes for the time being, but... Kind of crazy. So yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. I don't, I don't foresee anything large happening anytime soon, no. uh, or at least not anything large enough that it's going to affect what we have and uh, or anything like that. So I'm, it's not anything I'm concerned with. No,
1: I, I, I would say it's definitely nothing to be concerned, but kind of a shock uh, this week that a lot of people just did not see coming. So yeah. it's a big wait and see. Uh, but that kind of wraps it up for the news this week. Like I said, very, very light week.
0: All right, cool. Uh, then we will quickly make our recommendations for the week and we will let you get on our way as we get on with ours. Uh, my recommendation this week is, uh, I think we talked about it last week in the news, uh, and I read it and it's very interesting. So, um, is, uh, part one of six of the Vertigo, which is a an offset of DC, uh, The Lost Boys. Issue number one of six was actually released this past week. Um, I think, did we talk about that news? I think you brought it up. That was our recommendation last week. Yeah. Oh, it was a recommendation last week. (laughs) Oh well, shit. (laughs) Uh, um, All right, then I then I got nothing else.
1: Okay, well for (laughs) me, nothing major for me this week. But I did go back and rewatch Batman: Mask of the Phantasm this past week, and I just forgot how awesome it is. So, uh, you know, since we have light news, just do yourself a favor this week if you if you get a chance, go go sort uh, like see if you can find that movie streaming somewhere. If not, rent it on Amazon Instant Video or or on iTunes or something like that and just give it a watch again, because God damn it was a great, great animated flick and, yeah. uh, deserves, deserves some attention again, because man, it's, it's just an astoundingly great, great story.
0: Yeah. And I remember that one being uh, real, as, as well as it was too. So God, now I want to go back and rewatch it. <laughs> so, uh, cool. So with that being said, we're going to wrap things up for this week. Uh, next week, Uh, Again, same same as this week All five shows we're going to bring to you As well as more news and recommendations But in the meantime, thank you once again For listening Uh, Before we get out of here, of course I am Ben Beck from the Next Level Podcast Network Uh, Other podcasts you can find me on Are the Showcast Spotlight, which is our interviews Uh, NextLevelRadioOnline.com On Twitter, at NXTLevelRadio Facebook.com NextLevelRadioOnline Of course, uh, you can find Rob and I together And we encourage you to post on the site facebook.com slash dc primetime as we always interact with our listeners who who uh who post Mm mm-hmm
1: uh, as for me, you can always find me at Caffeine Crew and as Ben mentioned again, is the Facebook page. I've been trying to be a little bit more active this week again, uh, but also as a reminder to everybody, uh, actually this evening I will be seeing Ben in person and I have a thumb drive to give to him. That is the first 30 episodes of the other podcast that I do, which is the Caffeine Crew Casted Pods, which is joining the Next Level Radio Online Network and should be up as soon as Ben gets this, uh, based on him um, uh, hopefully up fairly soon after so keep an eye on nextlevelradioonline.com level radio to check out the show when it, it does hit uh it'll be the first 30 episodes the show goes through multiple transformations i recommend more or less listening to more current episodes than going back to the beginning when that does indeed go up um the show has changed drastically From more kind of it was a bi-weekly show then it went to a monthly show midway through its run and around that point in time is kind of a massive restructuring but everything is there um uh, it is a explicit show, so please bear in mind if you listen to in the car with your kids, it is not the show to do that with at no. all. <laughs> not at all. But uh, as I we brought up, it is a very it's a geek culture show and we try to have as much fun with it where we pose a lot of interesting, odd questions to each other, occasionally talk about some things that are relevant at the time, sometimes movie trailers or whatnot, but For the most point we do uh try to stick to broader topics where we can all dive into and share our opinions on things between sometimes just favorite books we did a retro theme show not that long ago and uh tomorrow night we are recording our halloween episode so maybe i recommend if you're feeling the month of october to go back and uh if you look at caffeinecrew.com you can see the actual episode list i still have to get some documentation to ben as far as what episode is from when but You can at least check out the full descriptions over on our website before Ben has them. But uh, check out the uh, Halloween episodes and get ready for the one that we're about to record tomorrow night.
0: Cool. Uh, So once again, as I mentioned before, we thank you guys for listening. We always appreciate our listeners, and we appreciate the fact that you give us an hour to two hours of your time every week uh, as we put in much more time into prepping for this, but we appreciate the time we put in. Uh, So thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week, and until next week, we will see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace!